so speak through my words that your words may be heard, and being heard may be believed, and being believed may be lived. Amen. Amen. There needs to be enough food this time. Of all the things that high schoolers at my last church told us as we helped them prepare for every other year youth pilgrimages, this was the one that probably surprised me the most. There needs to be enough food this time. The pilgrim who said it had been on our last pilgrimage, and I couldn't remember a time on our last pilgrimage when we had run out of food. In fact, one of our youth leaders and his wife had made a month of breakfasts just from the leftover pancake mix in the bag he had brought home from the trip. I thought and I thought and I really could not think of a time we had not had enough food. So I asked around and I learned a year and a half later that all the guys had been hungry pretty much all day, every day that we'd hiked in the Rockies. Why and why didn't we know about it, I asked. Well, there wasn't any lunch meat. And Molly said she wouldn't buy any, so we were just always hungry. Okay, well, this was true enough. The previous trip, all the pilgrims were scared their lunch meat would go bad in the heat before they ate it, so they'd mostly eaten peanut butter instead, and we'd mostly thrown away a lot of lunch meat. And so Molly refused to buy meat if people weren't going to eat it. It was also true that there had been lots of peanut butter and bread and granola bars and fruit and goldfish and other things. In the end, it turned out there were a lot of true things about the situation. It was true that the boys and the male leader had all been hungry and said nothing. It was true that the two born and bred Girl Scout leaders did not know that one peanut butter sandwich and several snacks would not last teenage boys for the day. <laughs> It was true that there had been enough food left over for us to believe that people were getting sufficiently fed. It was true that people had chosen not to eat the food that they didn't prefer and instead to feel hungry. So there was some disagreement over whether there had indeed been enough food. Enough is in fact often a tricky word. Is enough a sigh of completion, like the enough from the character in Love Actually, who's finally ready to move on from pining after his best friend's wife after he tells her how he feels? Is enough a cry of frustration, like the enough hashtag that's popular on protest signs and tweets? Or is enough a muddy middle ground, as it was for my grandmother, who learned on the one hand, as a teen and young adults during the Great Depression, to let cardboard shoe inserts and one meal a day be enough, but also could never trust as an older woman that the money she and her husband had saved would indeed be enough to cover her comfortable living expenses even if she had had to live in skilled nursing for 30 years and was therefore enough for her to know she was secure. How much would that sense of security have cost, I wonder? How much would have been enough for that? How much would have been enough 
to give Ruth and Naomi so much security that they could pretend that their good fortune was guaranteed. My daughter, Naomi, asks, shouldn't I seek some security for you? In most translations, it's affirmative. I need to seek some security for you so that it will be all right with you. Naomi had already left her homeland along with her husband and sons in search of just that, security. In their case, it had been food during a time of famine in Bethlehem, her hometown. And things go well for them in Moab. They have enough to eat. Their sons have married a couple of Moabite women, but their security turns out to be elusive. We don't know how or why, but Naomi's husband and sons all die. And so Naomi sends her daughters-in-law home to their parents, or at least she tries. Ruth refuses to leave, even though Naomi points out that she has nothing left to be able to offer her any security. She ties her fortunes to Naomi's, adopts Naomi's God and culture and family as her own, and returns to Bethlehem with Naomi. Now Ruth has to go out and glean in the fields, picking up the grain that falls behind the harvesters. Happily, she finds her way to the fields of a guy named Boaz, who happens to be a relative of Naomi's and also happens to be pretty impressed with this young woman who gave up her own security in Moab to follow her mother-in-law back to Bethlehem, where, by the way, the harvest seems to be back to normal. He tells his workers to leave her alone and even let extra grain fall to the ground to make sure that Ruth will have enough. And it's here that our story today picks up, with Naomi saying, in essence, Okay, Ruth, it's time to lock this thing down. We need some more permanent security here. Which Ruth does, and Boaz happily agrees to, and indeed they all seem to live happily ever after. And Ruth and Naomi even get to become ancestors of the greatest kings of Israel. As enough goes... They seem to have done about as well as they possibly could have. And yet, was the birth of a new baby enough, I wonder, for them to push aside the recognition that nothing is promised to tomorrow? Did they trust the security of a marriage, a farm, and a bloodline even at the end of the story? Or did they spend the rest of their lives holding on for dear life? waiting for another shoe to drop. It's hard to trust enough precisely because scarcity does exist. It's undeniably real. And whether it's at the level of basic human needs like food and shelter or higher needs like companionship and opportunity, I expect that each of us has known scarcity in our lives in some way. Those lacks, whether momentary or lasting, those deficits are real, and nothing will make them not have happened. And nothing can guarantee for us any more than for Naomi or my grandmother that enough today will automatically mean enough for tomorrow. So if the idea of trusting enough sounds like pie in the sky, I understand. Certainly, just preaching about enoughness doesn't put food on the table or pay the water bill. It will not put an end to violence and war. 
It's not a quick fix to problems in our nation or our world. It will not prevent fires or cure cancer. Enough is not a magic word. But enough is real. When I was an intern at Rockwell House years ago, we used to do an after-dinner Bible study on Sundays on the gospel reading we'd heard in church before dinner. And I remember the week that we read about the rich young man about whom we heard a few weeks ago, the one whom Jesus told to give away all he owned, that a friend said, okay, the idea of giving up everything I own sounds nice in theory, but kind of ridiculous in practice. If I cut off all my credit cards and gave up my scholarship, I'd be dead in a week. And I remember the chaplain said, well, no, you wouldn't, because we wouldn't let you be. So long as this community still had resources to share, you'd be okay. The point was not to give up and stop participating in the world any more than it was to hoard all the riches for her own personal security but to tie her security to that of her community. Which is not a lot easier to imagine than just cutting up all our cards and living day to day, because it's not the way our society is set up. But I want to suggest that this is a place where how we choose to live can in fact affect the reality we will encounter. Again, not by magic. I don't mean living wantonly as if there will automatically be more than enough and hoping it will appear. I mean living as if there will, over and over again, be just exactly enough. Not so much that we can afford to be wasteful with the resources that are ours to steward, but enough that we can afford to share. When we live out of the belief that there is not enough, that there will never be enough, then we have to cling to whatever we can get without stopping to ask whether we really need it, without stopping to ask whether someone else might need it more. If there will never be enough, we can never be satisfied. To live with the expectation that there is not more than enough, but just enough, means that when we find that there is more than enough for just us, when we can reasonably guess that tomorrow there will be more than enough for just us. We can open our eyes and our hands. We can see that there is enough for the next person over as well. To live as if there will still be enough tomorrow makes room for us to be with the person next to us today. When we can recognize what enough looks like in our hands, we can let go of it enough for enough to go all the way around the table. In fact, I wonder whether even our regular practice of communion might not be part of our training in this kind of enoughness. We come to this table week after week, month after month, year after year, for foretaste after foretaste of a heavenly banquet. It prefigures for us a whole feast, and yet all we get at one time is one bite of the feast for each of us. That little bit seems like it should not be enough. It would not be enough on its own, as a five-year-old friend once yelled at his mother, who was 
trying to keep a hungry child quiet during the final part of the Eucharistic prayer, and so promised, we'll have a snack in just a minute when we go up for bread and wine. <laughs> and was loudly informed along with the rest of the congregation, bread and wine is not a snack. <laughs> Indeed, it's not much on its own. But many of us for whom this is not our first time at God's table would say that somehow this tiny bit has been enough to bring us back to the table again and again. I have celebrated communion where there was more than enough, and I have celebrated communion where I was breaking tiny wafers into fourths. But one way or another, we have always managed, and even the tiniest piece has been enough food. At this table, enough always manages to stretch, to be really, truly enough. And so as we walk away from this table today, perhaps this one taste of God's kingdom can teach us to trust that for one more day, for one more week, enough can be enough. That there is simultaneously just barely enough, and always room for more, as a favorite song has it. Perhaps in practicing that, all the enough in our hands can become enough for one more to share, and one more after that, and one more after that, until all our tables are finally full with all God's children. Amen.